When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sports betting season's in full force with the NFL officially back, which means you need a sports book with integrity and longevity like BetUS. BetUS has been pioneers in the sports book industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their local, their loyal customer base. And they have loads and bonuses. Just join now at BetUS.com today and receive a 125% sign-up bonus by using bonus code Chicago 125. BetUS is known as America's favorite sports book for a lot of reasons. BetUS has all your NFL games with team and player props and loads of NFL futures and odds. In addition to the NFL, you can bet on college football games, PGA, PGA golf, UFC matches, and more. They have every bet type imaginable, and the BetUS mobile platform is easy to use with full betting options. Follow my lead and get your phone online, and social sports betting partner with integrity and longevity like I did. Cash in on your 125% sign-up bonus at BetUS.com with our code CHICAGO125. BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up-to-date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready, because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible, and welcome to our Week 1 Chicago Bears postgame show. Ezra Bears, they hung around for a little bit, but then towards the end of the game, uh, the the cap just kind of broke off there. 34-14 was the final score as the Bears start the season 0-1, just like the rest of the NFC North. Still doesn't make this loss any easier to digest. I'm Russell DeWitt, and tonight I'm joined by both my co-hosts Nicholas Moriano and Mason West immediately after this Bears game. And guys, was that what you expected? Nick, I'll go to you first. It kind of was. I didn't think the Bears had a chance in this one. Yes, they hung around at the half, you know, the halfway marker there, but then you saw what the Bears or what the Bears are and what the Rams really are as a team right now into week one of this NFL season. So yeah, them losing and losing the way they did. Were there some things that were surprising? Yeah, but we'll talk about that in depth. But I definitely planned on them losing. We all did. Besides Mason, uh, he he, right. he stuck his neck out a bit, had that victory uh, predicted in our preview show. And Mason, I, I like the artwork that you were working on before we went live. What's that sign say? Free Justin? Yep, free Justin. Let him go. Let him, <laughs> let him roll. Hey, they let him out of this cage a couple of times uh, this afternoon. We'll talk about that when we get to the offense. But guys, I'm excited to begin this postgame show, our seventh year of doing 
post-game show. So let's go ahead and jump right on in and start our opening drive. And I'm going to go ahead and begin this by sharing my monster moment of the game, which is the most crucial moment, the turning point, the difference maker. So my monster moment for week one is going to be with 11.46 left. The Bears had a first and 10 from the Rams 25. They're only down 13 at the time. Dalton was pressured. He was able to break free from Aaron Donald, but still ended up being sacked for a loss of 15, which the Bears could not overcome. Ended up turning it over on downs on a failed fourth and 15. It was looking like another touchdown drive for the Bears, which would have been back-to-back touchdown drives. It would have made it a one-score game before that setback. And why is this important? Well, on the very next Rams drive, that was a slow, methodical drive that ended up in a touchdown. So it went from a possible 27-21 game to a 34-14 game just like that. So that sack on Andy Dalton and first down to kind of kill that possible scoring drive for the Bears is going to be my week one monster moment. And Nick, I'll hand it over to you. What's going to be your opening statement to kind of just start things off here for us? Yeah, so if you guys haven't seen the latest 1920 football drive, in that episode, Eddie Jackson says, everybody can tackle. <laughs> and you know what? And he said, you don't get paid for making tackles. You get, paid, you get paid for making interceptions. Well, what you saw today from Eddie Jackson was that not everybody can tackle because the one who's saying it has struggled with this, I, get, I would say almost like the simplest form of playing like a defensive player needs to do is tackle – and we saw that on, on the one play, the, the deep play to Van Jefferson. Doesn't touch the guy who's on the ground, ends up scoring. The third and 13, where Eddie Jackson has the angle, and then Cooper Cup somehow converts that late in the game on a third and 13. Eddie Jackson, everybody can't tackle. You can't tackle, especially. And that is what I kind of want to get off my chest. I know a lot of people, and we'll probably talk about that as this show continues, but that, for somebody who's being paid as much as he is, who was supposed to be a leader on this defense, that's unacceptable. And I'm sure we'll talk about it uh, as the show goes on, but that is what I wanted my, my segment to be about, Eddie Jackson and his lack of tackle. Nick, coming out spicy, throwing some hands here to start it off, and that one really irritated me as well. Once we get to the third quarter of a show, we need to really rip apart this Bears defense, which shouldn't be too hard. Uh, the Rams showed that here earlier today as well. But, Mace, I want to go to you, over to you. Uh, what's going to be a stat that stands out that's like indicative of how this game kind of unfolded here today? What's your standout stat? I think for me it has to be the discrepancy between the run game and the pass game between the two teams. The Bears averaged 4.4 yards per pass this game, while the Rams averaged 11.6. Now, obviously, there were some really, really big pass plays that the Rams had, blown coverages, all that stuff we're going to get into. But one of the problems that we talked about potentially going into this game and one of the, the issues we had in previous years was lack of explosive plays. And that's all it was. It's too many times the Bears ended in the Rams' territory and that problem was you can't put – there's only so many plays you can get together, right? The defense gets paid too, and eventually they're going to get some stops. So you have to get large chunk plays to really get down the field. And when you're averaging 4.4 yards per pass play, that's just not going to get it done. Nope, it didn't get it done tonight. And uh, I want to talk about that lack of explosiveness once we get into the second quarter of the show, which is just a matter of moments. Before we officially get to that segment here – I just want to make sure people know if they're wondering, hey, who is the most valuable bear 
we'll get to that towards the end of the show. So stick around for that. I'm sure there's a, a candidate in mind for you, uh, myself, Nick and Mason. Uh, there may be a consensus one, uh, but we'll see how it all pans out. So let's jump into that second quarter of the show. And let's talk about this Chicago Bears offense. Real rough start, uh, at least for Andy Dalton, but he was able to bounce back somewhat. Nick, in Dalton's Chicago Bears debut, what did you like? What didn't you like? And ultimately, is he a guy this Bears team can win with? I think so. I think the Bears can win with Andy Dalton. And obviously, they didn't do it in this matchup against the Rams. But you saw what Andy Dalton, like, even in the pocket, despite it collapsing on him many, many times, and really that, I think, kind of equated to that rough start that he had. The interception he threw, inexcusable. I don't even know. Honestly, I don't know who he was even targeting. It was kind of in between two players, so I had no idea who he was targeting there. And the the fumble happened. There was pressure in the face trying to throw the ball. It, it, It happened. But I thought he made, after those two bad plays, those two turnover plays, I thought he played well. He got the ball out to the guys I need to get the ball out to. There weren't a lot of deep, explosive opportunity kind of plays called in this game. And so Andy Dalton was giving it to his playmakers. And there were even some times where he's showing some maneuverability in the pocket. Aaron Dowell could have had him a couple more times, but showing that wiggle, showing that ability to kind of get upfield and, you know, slide to make get the first down a couple of times. So I thought with what he was working with, what was being called, he executed. And then those two turnovers just, you know, obviously you're going to look back at it. That the, That is why... Andy Dolan, there's still these question marks. You can't have that from a veteran type of player. Yeah, you can't. You're at, I mean, to start the season, the way the Bears did with that really strong kickoff return by Cool Herbert, then a big run from David Montgomery, you march right into the red zone. You're ready to seize momentum right out of the gate on the road in prime time under the lights. Like this is everything you coach up for. And then he squandered it with that red zone interception right there in the end zone, uh, which really kind of took the wind out of the sails for the bears early. And it took him a long time to kind of fight back through uh, and reclaim some of that momentum. I want to go over to you, Mason. What are your thoughts on Andy Dalton? Uh, is he better than what we had at quarterback last year? I know you had the free Justin sign. So I'd be curious if what your thoughts are about uh, this bears offense with Andy Dalton, obviously not being explosive uh, like we were all hoping or expecting this Bears offense to at least try uh, some of those plays. I feel bad for Andy Dalton because he was okay. You know, you, he the way he played, you can win with a quarterback like that. It is possible. But you need your defense to be lights out, right? You need to be almost perfect with penalties. You can have the injuries. There needs to be some more pushing down the field. By him, by him, but but that's where my problem lies. Is that we saw today that the defense isn't elite anymore. We saw that you know there are all these little holes here and there. Um, you know, while there's a lot more speed on the offense, are there really football players who are going to make those plays, make people miss? I don't know what the yards after catch was this game, but it cannot be that high uh, mm-hmm. overall. Like there's this one series with 450 left in the first. They start off with a pitch to Williams for a loss of three. You just had Dave Montgomery. He had three carries for 57 yards, and that's all he had in the first quarter. Why did you go away from him? Then you – and you ran it to Ramsey's side of the field. He's all over the place. Why are you going towards him? Right. And then you have – you put Fields in, and it's a reverse to Goodwin. Like, why do you have him in the game if you're going to do that? And, again, it's to Ramsey's side of the field. If you're going to do reverse, reverse it away. And then you have, you know, a screen pass to Mooney, 
And then why do you have bird blocking for him? Like, it's just weird play calls. Like, then you have a fourth and four. Dalton fumbles the ball where Jason Peters got, you know, gave Hollins basically a free run because it didn't look like he knew who he was supposed to block. It Weird play calling, and that's just not setting Andy Dalton up for success. His ball placement was okay. There were too many times where the ball was behind receivers, just one play in mind, uh, to Allen Robinson, where it was he probably should have had the catch, but still give him a chance to not just catch the ball, but get yards after the catch. And, Willie, you and I talked about this right before we went on. This was probably, in my opinion, the worst kind of game you can have because he wasn't terrible. That's the thing. Like, he had times where, oh, look at that. He went through his progression. He did better than what Mitch did last year, right? He was able to go through and find people. It just wasn't consistent enough because you can't have that many dink and dunks. He moved better than Nick Foles did. He had a couple of scrambles. But it wasn't good enough to elevate so that you can win this game. This was a very winnable game. And if you just, you know, free Justin, I think you could do that. <laughs> so Andy Dalton, he finished 27-38, 206 yards, zero touchdowns, the one interception. Uh, my quick assessment of this Dalton's play, very reminiscent of you guys. It seemed like, again, better than what we had last year. Uh, he was able to go. I mean, his time to throw was quick. I mean, they're mentioning it in a broadcast. Like, he was getting that ball out in a hurry, and I thought he was able to move the ball downfield. But once we got closer, like, in the red zone area, we just weren't able to really put it all together. That's when you see him putting in Justin Fields a little bit more. I'm excited to talk about him in just a few minutes. Uh, and, again, I feel like if we're not able to get over the hump so offensively, if we're only scoring 14 points a game, we're not going to win many football games. So 20 points still seems to be like a weird ceiling uh, that this Bears offense has. Uh, it's nice to see Dalton's ability to kind of spread the ball around. Uh, I still feel like we're not getting the yak because receivers still have to like stand still. Like they're running like deep curls and, hey, we're going to sit here and now you're going to throw it to me. Like, why can't we hit guys in stride? They did a few slants like Damian Williams towards the end of this game, which got a little bit of additional yardage after the catch. Cole Komet did some nice things with the football in his hands too, but I want to see some of these deep shots, uh, at least intermediate, test it out a little bit, force that defense to play back just some because they kept everything short and it was a little too vanilla uh, for an offense that I thought was so under wraps in the preseason, we see something. It doesn't even need to be exotic, but just mildly aggressive would be okay by me. So up next, we're going to talk about Justin Fields and his involvement. Uh, he was out there uh, a little bit, which I'm sure brought a smile to your face as it did ours. But first, I need to tell you a little bit about our friends. They have a message uh, for you, and those friends are our friends over at Manscaped. Attention listeners across the galaxy, all the way from Australia to Houston, do we have a pew problem? If so, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation and brand new lawnmower 4.0. Kick your pubes to the next planet with the Performance Package 4.0. The orbits in your pants will feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job from the leaders in male grooming. So join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. Inside this package, you'll find their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, crop pres preserver and ball deodorant, crop reviver toner, performance boxer briefs, which I'm wearing right now. They're pretty comfy, by the way, and a travel bag to hold your whole solar system. The Weed Whacker is also waterproof and uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system. This nose and ear hair trimmer provides propriety skin-safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. So, again, you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. For a clean trinity and beyond, your space balls will thank you. 
All right, you're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast. This is our week one postgame show. Bears lose 34-14. to We're sitting here in the second quarter of our show talking about this Bears offense. And guys, it's time to talk about Justin Fields in regular season action. Nick, I want to go to you first. Were you surprised to see Justin out there today? And also, do you think they leverage his strengths? Because I would say no. No, I mean, when you're bringing him in to run an end around, it's like, what what are you doing there? And we've seen plays like that for the Bears. Not They haven't been very successful. But was I surprised to see him in? A, a, I guess I'm like, like, yes and no. Because Ian Rappaport had a report earlier today saying, hey, there could be some packages. So I kind of prepared myself to see him. I just didn't know what type of plays. But it kind of was what I was maybe anticipating, like, yo, oh, you're going to use him on running type plays, things like that. Is he really going to have an opportunity to pass? And he did to, to Marquise Goodwin. But it, look, when you capitalize on his strengths, obviously a touchdown that he scored running that four, four speed, that's exactly what you can utilize in a Justin field. So it wasn't too surprising. It's just like, there's no reason what the, the shovel pass, the end around, you're getting too cute with him. He could throw the ball too bring him in to do some of those things. And then we can, you know, have this conversation going because Matt Nagy actually said, because the bears were down, it actually limited the snaps that fields was supposed to see tonight. So, you know, if it was a closer game, probably would have seen Justin Fields more, man. Well, that's upsetting uh, to say the least. Mason, I'm going to go over to you. I know that Justin had that touchdown run, but Nick said it, a shovel pass an end around, like, what are you doing? And I felt like, Justin's one pass to Goodwin to start things off, his first snap as a pro, was probably the pass I saw with the most zip uh, by a Bears quarterback all game long. Do you expect this to maybe be like a launching pad where maybe they slowly keep growing fields and folding him into the offense a little bit more? So we saw him for, what, four plays today? So maybe next week you're looking at like six to eight? Is that something that you would envision happening here? It is so hard to say because I can't get a read on what the Bears and Nagy are are doing when i first saw that uh that report today by rapaport my first thought was why you know because there's all these things like oh don't put him in because he's gonna get hurt or you know like dalton's are dalton has to give us the best chance to win and it's like if all of those things are true why are you putting him out there at all and you know it, like nick was saying if it really was that he, he was gonna get more plays if they were winning if it was closer like what's i don't understand the thought process there either so I can easily convince myself, yes, Will, that this he's going to just ramp him up slowly, that he's six to eight plays, then all of a sudden it's 12, and then, you know, slowly but surely by week whatever, now it's like, ooh, look at the seamless transition they did to Dalton. <laughs> I, I could also see all of a sudden him coming out and saying, we're starting Dalton week, or sorry, we're starting Fields week two. I could also see him coming out and saying, you know what, no, nah, Justin did fine, he did what he's supposed to, and he only gets four to six plays for the foreseeable future. It's weird. It's odd. There's no thought process, it seems like, behind it. Because when you, not just what we saw on the field actually play-wise, but the reaction from the players, like you could tell there was more juice. I mean, obviously a lot of that's coming just from, from sitting on my couch watching it, but the players on the field were pumped during that, you know, during that touchdown run on that pass, things of that nature. So why not feed off of that? Agreed 100%. Sticking with just the Bears in the passing game, Nick, uh, was there any targets, whether tight end, running back, wide receiver, that stood out to you? Again, not a lot of big plays. Uh, the longest play we had was a 19-yarder uh, to Marquise Goodwin. So no explosive pass plays officially, because that would be 20 or more yards. So we kept it pretty short, as we've mentioned. Um, but was there someone that was maybe more involved or more impactful or more consistent that you thought heading into this game? 
Actually, I'll take it the exact opposite because at one point in the game, it was, I'm like, does Jimmy Graham still exist? Is he still on this Bears team? Because I had, you didn't, you just didn't see number 80 out there until he makes the the third down, I think believe it was a third down reception against Jalen Ramsey. Just seeing like how, and we, we were kind of, we talked about that, you guys, like how involved is Jimmy Graham going to be in this game? So that, that kind of definitely stood out to me because there's a lot of Cole Komet, which it should be, but for the money that Jimmy Graham's making, it's like I think uh, I just retweeted how many snaps he had out of sixty-nine uh, plays. He was out there for fourteen of them. Cole Komet for fifty-one. So I, I, that, I think the four or the fourteen. Sorry, the fourteen's more than what I actually thought initially it was. So that kind of stood out to me. But for guys that were actually being involved, it was like Darnell Mooney got some targets in this game. But it's not necessarily the targets that you want to see, right? You want to see those explosive opportunities. There was not really any of that. The one play happened on, what was it, the 4th and 15th. That pass went to Darnell Mooney along that right sideline. But really, everything was shorter. And that's what the Rams defense does to you. It wants you to throw those shorter passes, but you need to at least attempt something. The Bears didn't even want to do that. That goes to Matt Nagy and the play calling, but... I guess what stood out, Darnell Mooney, how they used him, short, you know, short area. And yes, he can make people miss, but you have that speed. You got to at least give him attempts to at least utilize it. Yeah, he averaged only five yards per catch, five catches, 26 yards. How about you, Mason? Anyone uh, stand out good, bad, or otherwise? I mean, I thought Marquis Goodwin had an overall pretty solid game, four receptions, 45 yards, four targets. His long of was 19, but that was, you know, a short pass that became 19, not necessarily what you thought he might do attacking deep. I, I agree with what Nick was saying, too. You think that they manufacture some more deep plays uh, with some of the play calling and scheming. Yes, the Rams really dare you to run the ball, pass it short with the way that they, they play their defense. But, you know, there's a lot of times where Ramsey was basically playing as a linebacker. They, that was the whole point of this new season was – moving him around because he as Ramsey even said and they said on the broadcast he got bored because teams weren't targeting him so now if you have Jalen Ramsey playing up in the box basically you're telling me that you don't have a play call that has a crosser you know a wheel route of some kind that can get one of your speedsters that you you know have been talking up this whole summer Bird, Goodwin, Mooney, any of these people you know Damian Williams is a great back to catch don't forget Montgomery's got great hands you can't get them out in open space on a pass that goes further than 10 yards and obviously the game plan was to move it quick because they didn't want Donald involved. But you got to got to create something down the field, man. You do. Uh, that's kind of been our gripe throughout this show so far. I'm glad you mentioned Goodwin. Uh, he was my X Factor heading into the game. I wanted the Bears to have a wideout number three be involved. Didn't expect him to end up as the leading uh, receiver here today. But for a guy that took a year off and we didn't see him in the preseason, this is a really strong debut. And I'm hoping he can continue to build off of. Uh, I want to take a moment to highlight Cole Komet. Uh, five catches, 42 yards, and he was just so tough uh, to take down those angry runs again, Nick. Uh, they were coming back here today. It took multiple Rams to bring Cole Komet down every time he touched that football, and I, I like seeing that aggressiveness from him, and I'm excited to see how they can continue to build off of this as well. Again, Komet, someone had a real quiet first half of last season, really came on late, and for him to be as involved as he was here week one, let's see how this can help in the early stages of this season. So I thought he had a real strong game. Uh, see what they can do with him more. And we'll see what happens with Jimmy Graham 
Uh, Nick, like you said, let's now focus on this Bears rushing attack, which is a bright spot here today. David Montgomery, 108 yards on 16 carries. Uh, again, that long of 41 to kind of kick things off today. What I saw from David Montgomery uh, was what we've heard about all offseason, and that's he's faster. And Nick, I know you saw that in camp, but I didn't get to see it in preseason too much. So I was a little, I don't know, I was nervous to see it. I was like, well, let's see if he actually does look quicker. Can I actually tell on TV? And I definitely can tell this evening, like he was hitting those holes and his ability to move laterally, but also still be gaining yards at the same time. I was ultra impressive. He just looked quick and fluid out there and also still tough as nails and one of the most difficult backs in the entire league to take down. What did you like out of Mr. David Montgomery in his season opener, Nick? I really just liked what he continued from last season, showing that relentlessness to not go down. That's what David Montgomery's known for. And he actually complained about that in training camp because a lot of the plays are blown dead. You're not really completing the full tackle. It's like you're taking away David Montgomery, one of his best attributes. And now that he got to go against an opposing team, you saw that. There were a couple of defensive linemen that had him. They bear hugged him. And somehow David Montgomery's able to get away, get positive yards, put his hand in the dirt and just you know, crawl forward for whatever you can get. So you saw a guy that showed good vision, and you need to do that, especially with what I was saying in the previous show, this gap-and-a-half system. You need to be able to identify those rushing lanes and those cutback lanes. And that's what David Montgomery did, and he did that with physicality as well. Like you said, 108 yards, the one touchdown run. He breaks a tackle from Aaron Donald. Like that is exactly what you need to do, and David Montgomery showed that. How did the Bears open up those lanes today, Nick, based off of what you saw? I saw a decent amount of misdirection, uh, so it kind of got those guys out of their gaps a little bit, which helped open up in the middle of the field. Um, but also, I thought the offensive line, at least the interior, on some of these plays, did a good job of you know creating the space needed. But I'm just curious if you saw anything special today. I think what, what really worked is that the Bears were able to hold their, block, their blocks just long enough, just be in position to where when David Montgomery sees that, hey, the defenders on the opposite side of the offensive line, and that's where I need to cut back. So I think what the offensive line did moving horizontally helped David Montgomery find those cutback lanes and just able to get yards. And even when it didn't, it was that individual effort. So it was a combination of both. And I think as the game kind of wore on, you saw the offensive line and some of those holes kind of open up and things like that. But I would say for the most part, yeah, the offensive line was able to create some things for David Montgomery. How about you, Mason? Any thoughts on David Montgomery's day, the Bears rushing attack in general? I mean, he's about it, but if you want to throw any <laughs> anything else, you can. I mean, I was going to say overall, I mean, Damian Williams was a bit disappointing. You know, six carries on, I think it's 12 yards. So averaging two, not nothing really to speak of there. Obviously, Montgomery went out for a little bit with a potential hand injury and everyone, you know, had their breath there because if he didn't return or was going to be out for any extended period of time you're now actually worried what's actually going to happen there um but the interior of the line overall did really well um you know daniels white hair mustafer uh the over they were able to handle their blocks aaron donald didn't make a lot of noise till the end of the game you know there was a couple plays where they on the broadcast they did specifically highlight what daniels was able to do uh, I think they used the Rams' aggressiveness against them a little bit, let them get upfield, and like Nick said, get just enough of them to create that lane. And Monty's just so wiggly, right? He just is mm-hmm. able to contort his body in a way that he needs a really small gap and stays so low to the ground that he's able to generate you know, a lot of force moving forward there. So, again, like we talked about at the beginning, it was a little weird that he had three carries through the first quarter, and then he had 16 by the end. It's like they finally realized, oh, wait, maybe we should keep running the ball here. 
uh, but <laughs> realized it a little too late because now you're playing from behind a bit more. So that overall was disappointing, but you know, at least Montgomery was a bright spot. Yeah, and on his touchdown drive, I mean, he was a focal point throughout the entirety of that drive. The Bears leaned on him heavily, and it was a big reason why they're able to kind of march their way into the end zone. Uh, but still, a real strong debut. We're just still having the issue where I bet you, though, if he didn't have to leave as long as he did with that hand finger issue, I bet you he would have 20 touches or 20 carries. This- oh, absolutely. It was just odd that I that at the beginning of the game when, in theory, you know, the game's closer and you can really establish that time of possession and you can really churn that he only had three by the end of that first quarter. Right. You know, it took a little while to get involved. But yeah, absolutely. If it, if he hadn't gone out, you probably would have been well at above that 20 touch mark. I was looking at the 16, I'm like, oh, we still haven't gotten 20. But I forgot for a moment that he did take some of that time away. It looked like a finger dislocation potential issue. I don't know if, Mason, you want to speculate, but they're yanking on it, a couple of different doctors, and he immediately was, like, ripping his glove off after the tackle. Had to go to the locker room real quick. At least he was able to come back from it. Those are more minor injuries. Uh, and for mm-hmm. Montgomery, who is such a big focal point, we can't have him uh, going down with anything more serious at this stage, if ever. Well, definitely ever. Uh, Nick, how about you? There's one thing I wanted to ask you, because uh, Mason said that the interior of the line did well. But I think I saw a tweet from you that you were a little displeased about Cody White here. Yeah, I think, obviously, there was only the was it one or two sacks Aaron Donald had finished with on the night, but there were plays where Donald didn't hit home and was using his little jump chop lock move. And look, it's Aaron Donald. I get it. But once if actually, if the all 22 comes out, because I know there's been a huge <laughs> issue with that um, this season, for some reason, there are definitely some plays on there where it's like, man, okay. Aaron Donald's back there. I think there's a couple of other guys, but I think at that point, a little fed up with the bears and, but I still think that there are definitely a, a couple of times throughout this game where Cody Whitehair and Aaron Donald, it went Aaron Donald's way. And that makes sense. It's Aaron Donald, the best defense player in football. All right. I want to talk about this offensive line here a little bit. Uh, we talked about the interior playing well. Uh, I'll go to Mason first. What are your thoughts about the, the tackle situation? And uh, the reason I'm going to you first is Jason Peters and Larry Borum did go down with injuries today. I don't know if you saw anything special or have any speculation from your physical therapy side of your brain, but uh figured to kind of kick things off with you because if both are gone and we have to start Elijah Wilkinson at left tackle, we could be in for a, a, left, a tough little stretch here. Yeah, initially, I was. you're pretty happy, at least I was, with what the tackles looked like at first. Uh, Jason Peters, even he had that pancake block on uh, Taylor Rapp as he was blitzing around that left edge and you know you're like oh look at that all right he's got some spryness to him and then I think it was literally a player two later when he actually went out um, I believe that was looked like soft tissue of uh, the quad and that one can be a bit concerning we'll have to see what actually comes from it but you know especially the older you get it's a little harder to come back from that soft tissue injury uh, initially for Larry Borum and he actually came in too and looked great i they yeah. had two two blocks in a row and that was on that uh david montgomery touchdown um i initially i thought it was a knee but it, you know it came out that it was an ankle and that one more likely would be something that you'd be less concerned about probably a sprain when you get rolled up like that um one would think it's just more of a lateral sprain not something like bad like a high ankle that one takes a while to come back from so we'll have to wait and see you know obviously all the imaging and what they come back with but probably a lighter week for Larry Borum. And I would imagine he's going to be able to come back this week. Jason Peters would be another question, but we were talking about that 
leading up to this first game that we wouldn't be surprised if Larry Borum took over the left tackle position, right? Just basically Peters was there to give him some more time to get acclimated to the NFL. And apparently that's sooner than we thought. You know, if you took the, uh, the under of, you know, one half of Jason Peters before he got hurt, then you won. Good job. <laughs> so I thought Larry Borum played really well too. Uh, again, real small sample size, but on those plays, he didn't look out of place and really it was a strong point out there on the left side of the offensive line. Let's kind of take a step back and look at the big picture of this offense. And I'm curious, Nick, I'll go to you first as we kind of wrap up this offensive discussion for this week one postgame show. What would you just say the story was? Was it missed opportunities? I mean, the Bears were in Rams territory seven straight times and only had 14 points. So you're looking at two points every time you crossed the 50. Uh, 0 for 4 on third down to start. Uh, ended up 5 of 11, uh, which could have been way worse uh, based off how it went. And also 0 for 4 on fourth down in general. But what would be the too long dinner read story of the Bears offense today for maybe someone who didn't watch the game? Oh, man, so I think how I would describe it, like it looked in, you know, bits and pieces, it looked better, right? Because the Bears were able to actually move the ball. They had the 24 first downs. It's just there's no explosiveness in this. And so you're really counting on this Bears offense to play a perfect game. Like the 16 play drive that they scored a touchdown on, that's impressive that they did that. But man, if that's what's going to be the offense, then you're expecting everybody to execute on every single block. You can't have any uh, negative plays like we saw on the wide receiver screen and the rounds. And you really just need to play perfect and play this long version of offense that's really not that sustainable. That's why you need – that's why explosive plays are so crucial. So there were areas that looked better. Like even Andy Dalton looked better than what we saw just even last season. And he played okay. He really did. So the quick dinner version is like there's progress but not enough because the explosive plays are not there. You still have – those those two costly turnovers and so and ultimately it's only 14 points so that's obviously not going to do it so that's like my biggest takeaway here and there's a lot that still needs to be improved upon right and what makes the dangerous offenses in the nfl just so dangerous is their ability to be versatile they can be the quick strike team they can you know if you if you punch they'll punch you back but also in the moments that it matters, they can take the air out of the football and just hold on to it and slowly move down the field. At least in this game, that was like the Bears' only shot of even potentially finding points was the slow, methodical dink and dunk and don't make a mistake like you said, Nick, because if we do, we're going to be off the field. Even if we try on that fourth down, we're still not going to make it. So I agree with you 100%, and I think that's what the Bears are missing. They're a one-trick pony, and it's not even a good trick to have. They're not a team that with the quick strike ability, but then also they go three and out a lot. They can move the ball slowly, but they still can't capitalize on those drives. Uh, how about you, Mason? Any final thoughts on this offense? Any big, your biggest concern heading into week two or another positive that maybe we didn't mention here uh, that's escaping our mind that you want to highlight real quick? I guess there'd be two final thoughts. One, what is the reason why there aren't explosive plays? Is it that, was it the line issue? Like you thought you wouldn't have time and you just needed to get it out out of there fast. Was it, you know, that your receivers didn't have, we were getting to the right position. Was it play calling? You know, what was actually the reason? Cause that has to get figured out ultimately before we can truly move forward. Or is it that you don't feel Andy Dalton can make that throw? The second point 
if I see another wide receiver screen, if I see another one of those stupid little shovel passes, especially don't waste one of Justin Fields' only time on the field doing that dumb little shovel pass that worked one time in 2018 for a touchdown to Trey Burton, and that has never worked again. Stop it with the end arounds. Like the lateral movement, that's not explosive. That's not down, attack down the field. You don't have the people to do it. You don't have the blocking for it. You have Demir Bird out there blocking like we talked about earlier. Like when you see these explosive offenses, you know, the Kyler Murrays, Jameis Winston put up five touchdowns today. You know why? He was throwing downfield. He wasn't throwing screen passes. Please, let's move on. Stop it. (laughs) I like the way you put it. And I do feel like some little things that we saw in this offense – you can tell they're built for the mobile quarterback, like a Justin Fields, like those little read options, if they're even really... I don't think with Andy Dalton, they're true read options. I think he's just carrying the boot after the fact. But at least if you had Justin Fields out there, the guy playing you know, the, on the edge has to honor that a little bit and can't just sell out going towards the running back. So ideally, once Justin's out there, uh, those could be little wrinkles that this offense can add into. And with Justin's speed, those can be explosive plays, but still actually throwing the ball downfield is still escaping this Bears offense despite having four receivers with 4-2-40 speed. Blows my mind. Nick, how about you? Any final thoughts on offense? I think in this this will be something of conversation. I, I'm sure not just in this podcast, but moving forward. But if the Bears are going to look like this offensively, and obviously, like I said, with Andy Dalton, and that's where I'm going, Mason, if Andy Dalton played okay, the best version of this offense is going to be with Justin Fields. Because of what you were just talking about, Will, what it opens up, what it does also for Dave Montgomery, and if the line is going to be missing some people, you want a guy like Justin Fields out there. So it's going to be something that I think Nagy hopefully is going to be thinking about. And is it is it unfair to Andy Dalton? You know, who's to say? But I think if that's what this offense is going to be, you need somebody that he could throw dink and dug passes if that's what you're going to do. But I think he just opens up things. He really does. So, obviously, I don't think they're going to be thinking too, too much into it after just one week. But I'm sure that talk is going to build up as we continue here through this 2021 NFL season. Without a doubt. All right, I'm going to call that a wrap on our offensive discussion. So, it is officially time to jump into the third quarter of our show. And let's talk about whoo, uh, this <laughs> Chicago Bears defense and I think we need to just start where Nick kind of stopped it at the top of the show. And let's talk about these blown coverages. Uh, first series of each half uh, led to two touchdowns. Nick, is this all safety play? I know it's hard to tell until you know what the play call was. You actually get a look at the all 22. The broadcast angles aren't super friendly. Um, but either way, I think you're just totally disappointed in the Bears' secondary uh, here in general today, right? Because for the Rams, Stafford ended the day with 1561 uh, passer rating, the 20 to 26, 321 yards, three touchdowns, and boy, did they make it easy for him. They did, and is it just a safety thing or secondary thing? Uh, you know, it, it would help to have some pressure to have Stafford to accelerate his, you know, just his play clock in his head, but it just seems like a communication thing, you guys. It's like, how are these guys running so, so wide open downfield? How come Marquis Christian is just passing a guy off to open field it's like these things don't make sense and with Sean Desai yes he's a first year defensive coordinator but he's been with the Bears for a while now so these those things are to me inexcusable and ever since Vic Fangio left these big coverage breakdowns have been happening way way more frequently so whatever's being taught however it's being communicated 
it's not hitting home to these players because clearly there's open explosive plays happening and Matthew Stafford is hitting those throws. If you're going to give him wide open, you know, even Mitchell Trubisky is going to hit those throws. So that is an issue. And look, look at that graphic. You guys, they're just looking at Cooper cup. So it doesn't make any sense, but yet it keeps frequently happening. And that is going to, that's going to, it doesn't matter how well the offense plays. If that keeps happening, they won't win many games. No, this defense for a week was rough. And I know last year we started a little rough as well, uh, but this felt a little bit different. Mason, on a scale of 1 to 10, how concerned are you with this Bears defense after what you saw here tonight? 10, absolutely 10. The, the strength of this defense before 2018, right, peak of this defense with Vic Fangio, was generating pressure, you know, and getting sacks and making it so that the individuals like Kyle Fuller, Eddie Jackson, Prince Mukamura, they could attack moving forward because they were able to go downhill, making tackles, getting interceptions, pass breakups. They can't do that right now because Matt Stafford's able to sit back there and get rid of the ball relatively quickly. Not just that, you know, obviously Nick mentioned Vic Fangio leaving. You also have personnel changes from 2018. I still think it's super underrated not having a, a guy like Adrian Amos in there because Adrian Amos was the one that was able to just go up and make the tackle almost every single time. He basically played like a hybrid linebacker and he was consistent, right? He was there when you needed him to be there. And it's not just Eddie Jackson Gibson. I don't know what he was doing on that one touchdown, both of them really, but the second one to cup where he just let him run right by. I think Mark, I think, and you don't know that to watch all 22 and everything. Marky Christian passed him off to the next zone and it's like, where are you in your zone? What are you doing? And then the first touchdown, when you have Eddie Jackson and Gibson standing right there, someone touched the guy. Like, what? Like you can't expect the person next to you to make the play. Make it yourself. In 2018, you would see a gang of bears on the ball every single time. And that's not happening right now. So yeah. whether it's a lack of passion or any something like that, the entire defense just is super off. It's getting older. There's not a pipeline of young players you're super pumped about besides Jalen Johnson and Roquan Smith. It's frustrating. It sure is. I, I know Eddie Jackson switched to his college number four, but he needs to remember it's the NFL and it's not college rules. The guys aren't down once they hit the turf. They, you still need to touch them. Uh, but it, regardless, man, I'm, I'm just nervous. Uh, the safeties didn't play like we are holding them, uh, holding up to them to that standard. Like they should play better than what we saw here today. But the one area that was a big concern heading into this game and we knew it was, and it played like one, was that nickel corner position. Duke Shelley was a healthy scratch. Uh, so Mark Key Christian jumped in there to nickel. Nick, I don't think the Bears have a, a nickel corner on this roster. They don't have a good one. They have Nick. They have guys that will play the nickel corner position, but playing one effective? No, because Mark Key Christian got torched, and I thought he looked you know, somewhat decent in the training camp practices, but that's in practice. And when you see the games and the the opposing teams and the players are going to have, Marquis Christian didn't hold up. And like you said, Duke Shelley was a healthy scratch. So the Bears thought Marquis Christian is our best option at the nickel corner position. That is scary. And it's not just, look, if that position is failing, the safeties that have continuity going in for, you know, the second year, which Eddie Jackson hasn't had, they're struggling. Oh, man, you are just 
putting a bunch of inconsistency from that that secondary level, and that can lead to a lot of more of these explosive plays happening. But it's very concerning to see that the Bears don't have a guy they can trust there because after Marquis Christian's performance tonight, there's no way you can just say Duke Shelley's a healthy scratch. You need to see what they do in practice this week and go to the drawing board again, and that may not result to a better answer. Just another guy playing the position, and then we'll see what happens then. Yeah, it's uh, it's disappointing, discouraging, and a little worrisome all at the same time. And if they don't get this cleaned up here soon, again, we will talk about the lack of pressure here today, but I didn't expect the Bears to generate a ton of pressure. That wasn't a big concern. And I also knew that the Bears secondary would be tested, but the lapse of coverage and the absolute just blowness of them and how easy they made it for Matthew Stafford on some key downs was something I did not expect. Uh, Mason, uh, I'll go over to you. Uh, we can switch to a positive if you want. I thought the Bears' running defense, or rush defense, for the most part of this game played very well, uh, especially without Eddie Goldman here today. I know towards the end, uh, in the fourth quarter, the Rams were able to kind of get some more yards on the ground, but at one point, I think the Bears had over 100 yards, and the Rams had like 12. Yeah, I mean, as a whole, the Rams' running game was not great. Uh, you know, Daryl Henderson had 70 yards, but that's a bit of a misleading number because, like you said, they got some bigger chunks near the end as the defense fatigued a little bit and honestly probably got discouraged, to be completely honest, when you're down that much. You know, you're there's not just much you can do about it. At the beginning, it was, it was great. And when the Rams were trying to lean on the run a little bit, there were a couple of drives there, the, the Bears stopped them. Tonga did a good job subbing in there for Eddie Goldman. Uh, there was one play on that touchdown run that he was facing literally the other direction. That's not <laughs> what you want. Um, but, but that was one play and on the goal line. I mean, that's always tough. I mean, you're not going to, I'm not going to assume my defense is going to, you know, hold a team to a three and out, four and out every single time right on the goal line. That's just, you know, a cherry on top if they can do that. So, and I believe in it like, leading up to this, that was the one area that actually got the Bears an advantage. It was the Bears run D against the uh, Rams. Yep. run offense and i would say that that for the most part held up if any of the other three categories had turned to a positive the bears would have had a chance to win this game They're really well said there mason how about you nick your thoughts on the bears run defense were they playing at a higher level was that front seven playing well or was it just a ram struggling uh, i'd be curious which way you think this thing kind of leaned I think it was a little bit of both because I thought Akeem Hicks had a really good game. He was back there trying to disrupt Matthew Stafford and looking like, you know, a key mix of old. So I think with the Rams are still trying to figure that out themselves, what their rushing attack is going to look like this season. And obviously they're, they're down and running back this game, but they still had some capable guys. So I think it was a little bit of both, but the bears, what I think at halftime, will the Rams as a team, had seven carries for only 12 yards. So they did their job at taking away that side, that whole aspect of the Rams offense. It was just those darn explosive, blown coverage type of plays that you know put the Rams in a position to, one, have the lead for the entire game, but also once it got to the fourth quarter, kind of opened things up as well. So, But to answer your question, I liked how the Bears played the run. And again, that's without Dane Trevathan, Alec Ogletree being in, in the spot there and without Eddie Goldman as well, obviously a huge part of what um, is going to stop the run for future games. But I would say that they did a good job at that. And then like Mason said in the fourth quarter, some of those yards, not that they're misleading, but the game's over with by then. 
And so I, I liked what they did in that first half, and it carried over for a little bit into that third quarter. It did, and I thought it wasn't all bad for the Bears' defense. At one point, the Rams were one of three in the red zone. Uh, the Bears were bending due to some of these chunk plays, blown coverages, missed tackles, that leading a lot of yak. But once they got down to the red zone, they played well. I thought Jalen Johnson had some good coverage on a, a third down, deep down the uh, field early on this game, uh, which could have been another easy play if not for him there. And the Bears on third down were able to get off the field most of the time. I think they ended up 6 of 11. Uh, most Some of those came towards the end, um, but there was a point when they're under 50% and they're getting off the field uh, every time they hit third down, the Rams were. So the Bears' defense wasn't all bad, but when you can't cover and when you're allowing big plays, you can allow, you, you can get off the field seven times out of ten. But then three quick touchdowns just like that with this Bears' offense being as inept as it was in scoring – it's easy for your opponent here. Uh, I'll go over to you, Mason, next. Is there uh, another player that stood out to you, good, bad, or otherwise? I know for me, uh, my backbreaker matchup was Duke Shelley versus Cooper Cup, which I changed to whoever's playing nickel versus Cooper Cup. And there was that one play late in the third quarter where uh, Christian got beat, allowed that in leverage by Cooper Cup on third down, which he got down at the one. Uh, they took back that touchdown, and the Rams were able to score on the very next play. So I, I know that was the person I was watching specifically in that situation, and it came up and reared its ugly head, unfortunately for us. But uh, do you have any other players that stood out, uh, really secondary, linebacker, defensive line, uh, that you wanted to highlight here? Yeah, I mean, Nick mentioned Akeem Hicks standing out, of course. Uh, I mean, he had, he had a great game. He's definitely playing like a man who wants another contract, that's for sure. Uh, I think someone that was sneaky oh, good – okay to good was Jalen Johnson uh he wasn't too often on the receiving end I felt like of some of those those plays that we were really questioning here it really was more heavily you know Cooper Cup out of the slot beating up on like a Marquis Christian and, and the safety play uh he actually he almost had that one interception right where he jumped up and, and almost picked that up right at the line and he and he had a couple breakups downfield as well I if he just had some more help in the rest of the secondary I think he would have stood out just a little bit more Understood for sure, uh, without a doubt. How about you, Nick? Any, I don't want to say final thoughts yet on defense. I mean, it's pretty clear what went wrong here uh, in this game, but uh, is there any other talking points that you wanted to bring up for us to discuss? Yeah, there's one thing with, with Roquan Smith. He finished the game with 11 total tackles, sideline to side, seeing a lot of things that we're used to seeing with Roquan Smith. But, man, there was a play. It was in the third quarter, 351 left, third down and five, where – Matthew Stafford completes the pass to Tyler Higby, the tight end. And Roquan Smith read the play. He knew exactly where it was going, what the play design was, where he needed to be. But for some reason, Will, he hesitated. The ball gets completed to Tyler Higby. It's a first down. The very next play, it's a 37-yarder to Higby. And when I saw that happen, I'm like, that's how you know this defense isn't the same. And maybe Roquan Smith corrects himself and makes the play next time because that's an interception every day. And I can't wait to go back and, like, clip the play and show it. But in 2018, and I know the Bears' defense doesn't like hearing about that. Jalen Johnson was asked about it. Khalil Mack was asked about it in these press conferences leading up to this game. But they made those plays. Those guys had the read, and they executed it. That didn't happen. That was a crucial point in the game. It was only... It was 14, gosh, what was it? It was only 14 to 20 at that point. So, man, you get that pick. I don't even know if Roquan, maybe he gets caught. I don't know. But it's just when I saw that, man, 
It's like, this is not the 2018 unit. We have to get that in our heads. And maybe it's just a bad first game for Sean to sign his debut, but that really stuck with me because I know Roquan Smith is a great linebacker, but I just don't know why he didn't make that play. And I'll definitely put the play up later tonight so you guys are not like, what? what's going on for people in chat or whoever, but that one st- stood out to me, but I'll leave it at that and we can continue this defensive talk. All right, so the Bears had zero tackles for a loss, uh, only four quarterback hits, uh, two for each, Akeem Hicks and Robert Quinn, who also got a half a sack uh, along with Akeem Hicks. Uh, they did give it to him. I uh, just want to make sure I put that one out there. Uh, even though I thought, for the most part, Robert Quinn seemed like the player from last year, a little slow. <laughs> uh, whenever like whenever he needed to change direction, it felt like the other player can take four steps to his two. Uh, it's it's a little disheartening and not surprising, but I don't know. Like getting Travis Gibson out there would have been nice. Uh, I saw Tachu out there once in a while, but get some fresh young legs out there and see what they can do. Uh, but, Nick, you mentioned Sean Desai, and you said maybe this was just a bad first game for him. So I am curious to your thoughts on Sean Desai's debut. Was he, I don't know, a little too vanilla for your liking here? I think so because remember, I think in the previous show, we talked about saying that Sean Desai, and Sean Desai said this, he's going to put people in position to make plays. I just talked about Roquan Smith technically was, but those tackle, those lack of tackle for losses, things that weren't happening on all three levels of defense, well, that's what he was supposed to fix. And I think it just it didn't it didn't happen in this game. So maybe, like I said, it's it's one game. Am I maybe overreacted to this? Could be. But you thought you would see those opportunities, I guess, happen a little bit more for those type of guys. And like you mentioned it, Will, like I didn't see Angelo Blackson enough. I didn't see Travis Gibson enough, Atachu enough, but you definitely saw number 94 without, and it looked weird without gloves. And he looked, <laughs> and I had so many times in my notes, it's like, does, does Robert Quinn look lost? Cause on play action plays, it seemed like Robert Quinn was so far into where the play action was happening. And then it, the opposite way was where the play was actually going. So it, it's just weird that people didn't get enough opportunities and people weren't put in positions to make those plays that he was talking about all offseason. So we have to wait and see what Sean decide. So because that was not obviously an impressive debut. Yeah, I know what you mean about Robert Quinn. Uh, there was that play action early in the game uh, where I think he was like two gaps. Like he went all the way from the C gap, all the way into the A gap, and then they had the play going right where he was supposed to be <laughs> the whole time on the edge. And he's trying to chase him down, and that's not going to work. How about you, Mason? What are your thoughts on Sean Desai in uh, his debut uh, I will admit that it is a tough task for any defensive coordinator in his debut game, let alone going up against Sean McVay, one of the better play callers in the NFL with uh, a brand new quarterback that, you know, he was so excited to kind of unleash uh, a bit. But curious your thoughts on Sean Desai's debut as we wrap up this defensive talk. Yeah, I, I'm i not too worried about it right now for him. I mean, again, it is literally his first time as a coordinator, you know, of this magnitude. Um, you would lean on individuals who are veterans to step up and help you in that scenario. Now, obviously, it goes hand in hand. He needs to put them in the right position. But there were things that happened today that weren't or they didn't seem like it was simply a coordinator's problem. It seemed like I mean, you are a NFL veteran. You should know, Eddie Jackson and Gibson, that you need to touch someone that is laying on the ground. You should know that when you're in a cover six, you should be the deepest person in your zone. Right. You and you should be able to beat one-on-ones Khalil Mack 
there should only there should be more than four quarterback hits. And I know earlier, you, Will, you said that you know you didn't expect a lot of pressure. I expect some pressure, like a little bit would be great. You know, like some hurries, some more hits. You know, more than half a sack shared between Quinn and you know and Hicks. That's that's unacceptable. You you know Hicks, you want a bigger salary? You want a new contract? Play like it. Mac, come on, you got to step up. Like, it, there's a lot of questionable stuff happening with the veterans. I, I have a hard time. The players got to play, right? The coordinator can put you in the right position, but if you don't execute, that's on you as the player. All right, Nick. Last thoughts on defense? Do you have any more that you want to share, or anything you want to get off your chest one last time? I just think that the most apparent thing the Bears need to fix, and it should be one of the easier ones, is finding what needs to be communicated for these guys in the secondary to fix these blown coverages. And maybe actually, maybe that's too tall of a task because like I've said, it's been happening more and more frequently with this bears defense, but that's where I think you need to go to start these corrections. You take away those big plays for the, for the Rams tonight, man, this is a completely different game. And it's not just, they're just so wide open. So that's where this Desai, this defensive coaching staff needs to start because I think if you can correct those mistakes, you give yourself more of a chance to be in games for sure. All right, let's move into the fourth quarter of this show. And let's begin with a, a quick hit here on special teams, which there wasn't a lot uh, when you go for it uh, four different times on fourth down. Uh, you Whether that is passing up on a long punt or a short punt and passing up on a long field goal attempt. Uh, but Mason, I go to you first. Anything you wanted to mention about special teams? Like you said, there's not a lot to discuss. Uh, Cleo Herbert obviously had that opening kick return, which was great. And, you know, I had that moment where I was like, wow, this game is going to be different than we thought. And then it wasn't. Um, <laughs> and, then, and I know early on you could tell it was going to be a shootout. You know, Matt Nagy going for it on every fourth down possible. But, you know, you did just pay Cairo Santos to, to make some kicks. Maybe let him make some of those those kicks, play the field position game, you know, obviously I barely left my couch today uh, watching a lot of games and there was a lot of instances, right? You punt the ball, you try to pin them deep and you try to flip that field because when you give someone like Matt Stafford a relatively short field, you're going to have a rough day. So there just seemed like there was a lack of trust in the special teams from, you know, the coaching staff side. Execution wise, it wasn't bad. I mean, we didn't, see a lot of puns to worry about the coverage, but the ones that did happen, it wasn't terrible. So, yeah, I mean, they they were there, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, (laughs) kind of right. Uh, Yeah, I don't know if the going for it on fourth down and passing up on field goals, if that was lack of trust. I think Santos earned trust, or is it just a pride issue uh, with Nagy again and the adamancy of like, oh, we can get this conversion, we can stay on the field, and we need to uh, because the field goal is just not going to cut it. Uh, which will also would, I guess, be lack of trust in uh, a defense uh, if, mm-hmm. as well. So, so many things. I, I'd be really curious to some of the insight over there. But how about you, Nick? Anything on special teams that you can add? Again, they were pretty much a non-factor in this game outside of the opening kickoff. Yeah, they definitely were. I, again, going back to that 4th and 15 that Matt Nagy, and I guess it technically isn't special teams, but it could have been an opportunity for Sanders to make it a 10-point game. At that point, the Bears had only had one reception go over 15 yards, and that was to Goodwin. And I don't even honestly remember that play for some reason, but it's like you haven't had much success trying to get those bigger type of plays, but yet you do go for around fourth and 15, and you 
you know, you decide not to make it a, a, a potentially make it a 10 point game because you, you trust in your offense. You don't, don't trust your defense, whatever the decision came to go for it. It just didn't make sense, especially with how the offense was playing and just what they could have done with a Cairo Santos field goal. You're right. I know it's a two score game regardless, but how that bears offense was rolling a field goal and a touchdown is much easier than two touchdowns. I thought. And then on top of that as well, you said it, if you can't get those chunk plays, what makes you think you can get that chunk play in the most like the most obvious situation where the defense knows like well they're gonna have to try to get at least here and they still throw it short but still it, it didn't make a lot of sense at least to me I know a lot of fans are like no I get going for it I just feel like how this game went specifically it didn't make much sense because I would rather have a, a chance to score twice and one of them be a field goal and then play for overtime and heck if we would have went for a field goal earlier in this game once or twice when we were in range could have been a one score game uh, with a kick there so there are some questions to be answered uh here as we kind of move forward and yeah those are disappointments to say the least but guys let's go ahead and let's call an audible uh this is a point where when we discuss the game in full is there anything that you wish would have happened differently anything that you could have changed in this game and i'll go to mason first um besides starting justin fields okay uh, i i pro- i w- I really wish that they hadn't there's i'm all for being aggressive usually especially that first year when when Nagy was you know going for a fourth down all the time and you know it was awesome and they were executing which was one of the reasons it was awesome but it, it felt like he was playing madden today where you know you just have this feeling where it's like yeah i can just chuck up a 20-yard pass and even though it hasn't worked all day I, it'll happen today that they would it, part of the issue was again goes back to the explosive lack of explosive plays not throwing downfield i just uh, retweeted somebody had uh, looked at alan robinson's route tree from the game okay you it saw that too ins- yeah it's ridiculously short like that's insane so if i could audible i know i'm kind of double dipping here but one not going for it on fourth down as often gets get the points you can get and two let your receivers run they're wide receivers i know protection is a bit of a question but that was ridiculous when I saw that graphic. No, I think there was not one route ran by Robinson that was over 10 yards, if I saw that one correctly. Uh, and again, that was mm-hmm. like 15 minutes ago when I kind of peeked at it myself. Um, but how about you, Nick? Uh, if you had to call an audible today, what would it be? Yeah, there's there's two that really stand out. Uh, again, going back to that third down play by Roquan Smith that wasn't made, and that allowed the Rams to have a 27-14 to lead in the third quarter, but really you can go to the first drive of the game for yep. the bears. You have a, a great kickoff return by Khalil Herbert, a 40 yard run by David Montgomery. And you end up with zero points. It's like, you could have sent a message right there. at SoFi stadium going down there and scoring a touchdown, man, the confidence this group would have had and the defense maybe would have just rallied off that, but that was sucked away when Andy Dalton throws an interception that I still don't know who he was actually targeting. And you change that, who knows? Who honestly knows? That's, that was exactly my audible, Nick, uh, for the exact reason. I talked about it at the top of the show. Like, seizing all that momentum could have been everything uh, in this game. Uh, the defense would have been, as you said, maybe a little bit more keyed in uh, from the get-go. And if that was the case, instead of giving up those big plays and you already have a lead, we probably would have seen maybe a little bit more of an aggressive attack. It, it, I think the pieces would have fell in place uh, a little bit easier for the Bears. Maybe the end result would have been the same, but it would have been an easier path 
uh, for this Bears to potentially uh, come out with a victory. So good call there, Nick. Let's find out who's going to be our week one MVB, most valuable Bears. First time getting to do this this season. Very excited. Let's go to let's go to Nick first. I have a hunch this should be consensus, but maybe someone's trying to be too cute and pull a naggy. We'll find out, Nick. <laughs> no, let's just be you know direct with this. Be honest. It's David Montgomery for how he played and how he carried this team. Broke countless tackles. Was physical. Came back from an injury in the first run. What it was like almost an eight yard run that he had. First play back with nine seconds left in the third quarter. So David Montgomery really showed that he has added that speed. And he still has that physicalness, that that vision to find the cutback lanes. But he is deserving for the MVP because he, without him, man, I don't know what this offense, they scored 14. Uh, they definitely don't do that without how he played tonight. So Dave Montgomery's the MVP. All right. Uh, thank you, by the way. Uh, Mason, how about you, man? Who's going to be your MVP week one? Yeah, I refuse to overthink this. It has to be Dave Montgomery. Without him this game would have been a worse route than it already was. Imagine what this game would have looked like if it was only Damian Williams back there or, or someone of, or something else like that. Like he carried the team and made it look closer than it really was. Perfect. You guys did what you needed to do. The MVB is David Montgomery. Uh, I can do the clean sweep uh, over here. He was by far the most fun player to watch tonight in a Bears uniform outside of when Justin Fields was on uh, the field a bit, but Justin was a little just, I think it's fun to watch for a different reason, but the plays that Montgomery had, uh, the tenacity that in which he runs the football with, his ability to stay up, not go down, he inspired me watching this game. Like He got me the most fired up all night long, and you know that has to do the same to this Bears team, this Bears offense. And just like the end of last year, this Bears offense is running through David Montgomery. He had a tough task, right? The Bears, uh, he had over 100 yards today. And the Rams last season, at least, never allowed a single 100-yard rusher. And he was able to do it here week one against that defense. So I think that's a huge testament to David Montgomery because even though there were some holes to work with here today, a lot of those yards were due to his effort, his vision, and his speed and his quickness. So kudos to David Montgomery for being this week one MVB. Quickly, guys, what grade would you give this game? I haven't done that, I think, in a while. And I did pull Twitter which may be scary to check in on. I will, though. But, Nick, how about you? If you had to give it a letter grade, what would it be? Look, 34 to 14, they did play better than the Packers, though. But that doesn't factor into this grade. I will give it I'll give it like a D plus. Yes, we saw some things that were a little bit better offensively, moving the ball, getting the first downs. Didn't get the points, though. And when you have those explosive plays on defense and when you, you know, add that with the lack of point production on offense – you get blown out. And that's exactly what the Bears did by 20 points. So, yeah, I'll give it a D plus. D plus for Nick Mason. How about you? Straight up D. Like, there was very little to get excited about. Like we just talked about, Dave Montgomery was really the only bright spot. The defense was horrendous. The special teams was non-existent because it wasn't allowed to exist for some reason. The offense was as boring as it always is outside of Montgomery. You know, dink and dunk and poor play design and questionable this, questionable that, weird coaching decisions the whole way. It just, again, this, the score did not really show how in control the Rams were. Uh, you know, if you just looked at it at halftime, but when you actually watched it live, you felt how rough and how big of a gap there was between these two teams. All right. I'm going to give it a D as well. Uh, I thought even though we had those bright spots, when it mattered most, whether it be on offense, whether it be on defense, they didn't just 
They didn't show up. They couldn't rise to the occasion uh, one bit uh, on third down on offense. Uh, heck, those miscues on defense and going 0 for 4 and fourth down is uh, an ugly stat, uh, to say the least. So I think when it mattered most, uh, even the Dalton sack, that was my uh, monster moment. Like the Bears had a chance to make it a one-score game, and they got knocked back instead. So I feel like for those reasons, uh, not playing complimentary football one bit, uh, not being able to help one another out, and each side of the ball having some serious question marks and some serious issues in this game, uh, it's hard to give it a much higher grade than that. And there's about a 1,000 people who responded to our Twitter poll, and it was, if I remember correctly, 50% gave it a D so far, and we're looking at 37% gave it an F, 13% gave it a C. Uh, I gave B as an option. Uh, Not one single person gave it a B. All right, right. gentlemen. That's very accurate. (laughs) (laughs) Right? All right. So we need to do one last thing, and that is jumping into our two-minute warning. Uh, This is where we had to have a couple minutes to wrap up our thoughts on this game and start looking to the season ahead. So, Mason, I'm going to go over to you first. What's going to be your two-minute warning? You are officially on the clock. All right. First of all, I'm grabbing this again. So, again, Andy Dalton was not bad. He really wasn't. He was an average quarterback, but he needs everything around him to be perfect. And it just wasn't, right? The defense isn't what it used to be. It's not elite anymore. But you can win with an average defense. You can win with average special teams. You know how you do that? With an elite quarterback. And, yes, I know that, you know, the Rams have a great defense. There wasn't a lot of time to throw. But you know how you can create more time to throw? With a mobile quarterback. Somebody that they have to worry about the run. Someone that they have to worry about. A cannon of an arm. And who is accurate with deep throws. And is able to do all those things. You know who can do that? This guy. This guy right here. Right? There are problems with this team. This is not a Super Bowl contender. This is not a even arguably a legit playoff team. Because I said this before last year. I didn't think last year they were a playoff team. They snuck in because they just happened to add another team on. Which was you know just a rule change. The way that you end up filling a lot of those holes is by letting your better quarterback play. The rest of the stuff you have to worry about, you have to deal with later. Sean Desai has got to figure out what the heck happened with the defense, right? We got to figure out what's happening with tackle. Hopefully Larry Borum at least can come back. I'm not the most confident that Peters is going to be able to turn around real quick if it is truly a soft tissue issue. Uh, and that that's going to all get decided. But you know how you make an offensive line's life easier? Again, a mobile quarterback. And when Justin was out there, it was only four plays and two of the plays were a waste of time, to be completely honest. But the two plays he was out there, he looked solid. It's not like he was freaked out. It's not like, you know, his path was inaccurate. It's not like he shied away when he was running. Put him out there. Let him play. Let's stop playing this game. You know, the best thing for Justin Fields is to play. Let him play. Good stuff there, Mason. I'll put myself on the clock for a two-minute warning here. Unfortunately, a lot of this was expected, uh, and that's why we're not entering this postgame show maybe as sour um, as we would in years past when it comes to some of these games, right? Nagy's now one of three uh, in his primetime games. Uh, We kind of know how these go, Uh, primetime opening games, I should say. Uh, and on top of that as well, I don't know, we, I thought we hit on the issues really well in our preview show. We said it's the secondary, and we said offensive line, although I thought they played a little bit better uh, than we really thought they would heading into this game. Um, but the secondary, those issues, uh, that's maybe my biggest concern heading into a, a week two. Uh, I know it's early, and they'll hopefully have time to figure out these communication issues. Throwing in random nickel guys here and there is not going to help. Uh, and not playing the preseason 
those happen. You saw them across the league all day today. Uh, unfortunately for the Rams, they didn't have those issues. Uh, so that was kind of exasperated uh, on our part here. Uh, and then looking at this Bears offense, definitely reason for optimism. They could not run the ball this well early on last year. Uh, like they had a couple of games, um, but to come out of the gate running like they did today against this Rams defense is a big promising sign for me. I uh, got to see how those injuries shake out. Uh, Andy Dalton felt like a Mitchell Trubisky plus like a little bit, right? Like just a little bit better, but still averaging five yards per pass. And I know the pressure was in the pocket a lot, but Dalton did a good job of maneuvering it, staying in there and making the right throw. But we still need to find a way to get these explosive plays, these chunk plays, and be a quick fire offense with this speed. And if we're not going to be able to tap into all this speed that the Bears work so hard to get, why did you do it? Like it doesn't make any sense to me. So it's only week one, so I'm not going to overreact on it. But if they're not looking at this Bengals defense and finding out how can we take some shots, how can we leverage a Marquise Goodwin, a Dimeer Bird to get downfield and just see what we can do, take some chances, I don't know what this coaching staff is doing. So definitely uh, a rough game, but to be expected. Uh, so I'm kind of even keel, weirdly enough. And Nick, uh, I'll go over to you now for your two-minute warning and go. I think Matt Nagy really needs to look at himself in the mirror and just kind of ask himself, what do we want to be as an offense? And if it really is what we saw today, dink and dunk, then there has been no progress of what he has learned in his previous three years up until this point. And now that he has Justin Fields there on the bench waiting, you need to be honest with yourself. And for whatever promises were made to Andy Dalton, and you need to do what's best for his football team, because that's what he said he was going to do. Do what's best for the Chicago Bears. And if you're going to have Justin Fields only come in periodically when he's cold off the bench, how is that better for him? Wouldn't it be better if he was in a groove playing and starting a game? So a lot of what Mason was saying is that we need to see him early on, especially because of the things you also said. Well, there's a lot more speed on this team. I think you can take advantage of that with a guy who has the arm that Justin Fields does. But it's not just offensively. It starts with the quarterback. The Bears do – have some light there with David Montgomery. You could be a team that pounds the rock, but you need a defense that can back you up. So going to Sean Desai now, you need to figure this out. You've been given such a great opportunity to be the defense coordinator of the Chicago Bears. Fix this problem. Fix this communication issue. Have Eddie Jackson. But that's your that's supposed to be his guy too, being a safeties coach. He cannot play like that. If he plays like that, He's a liability. Number four is a liability on this defense. And after week one, he currently is. So there needs to be a balance of running the football with good defense. But man, offensively, you need to take shots. You can't allow a defense to dictate what you do. And that's exactly what happened tonight. The Rams made the Bears play this short game. And Matt Nagy just took it and just tried to beat them at their own game. And that's not going to work. Wow, really well done there, Nick. Strong two-minute warning. I, I put myself on a clock for some reason. There we go. That's the one that goes twice. <laughs> one was <laughs> enough uh, after this game. It is almost one in the morning my time, but really well done there, Nick. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and just close the show with that. So thank you to everyone here tuning in live. I think we had over like 300 people at one point, and again, it's late. The Bears lost. Uh, I really appreciate you guys showing out here for the live show. If you haven't yet, make sure to give this video a like. Subscribe to the channel. That way you never miss uh, another episode of the Chicago Audible. And if you're listening to the podcast, help us out by giving us a review over 
on Apple Podcasts. Uh, join the 720 Bears fans that have already done so. It goes a long way with helping us reach more Bears fans like you, as well as when we're looking at potential sponsors for our future. So up next, we'll begin looking at our Week 2 opponent, the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, we'll be meeting the opponent in just a couple of days, so stay on the lookout for that interview with a very special guest in the Bears Lose 34 to 14, throwing one. But again, the rest of the NFC North is too. So it's wide open still from here. So enjoy your Monday. Not a victory Monday yet. We'll have one of those soon enough. But until next time, bear down, Chicago. Bear down.